Welcome back to Gardening Talk, back on to when you RFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you back after a week away. Yeah, thank you very much. Saw some whales swimming up the coast. Excellent. Oh, that would have been nice. Yeah, no border crossing for them. They can no. do what they wanted. They can do whatever they please. Yes, they can. Scott Sharp, what have you got for us today? Well, quite opposite to whales, I thought today we might talk about some insects. Oh, that's a bit different. Yeah, some ladybirds, what they can do to help your garden, uh, native bees, and what plants to uh, put in the garden to bring the bees back to your garden. Right, good flowers, I would imagine. Yeah, lots of flowers. Uh, there's one intriguing one as well. Oh. Smells good as well. Excellent. Yes. You'd like to hope so. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 RFM. And we've got Julie from Womberall, and she's got a question about sweet peas. Julie, how can we help you? Oh, Scott, my sweet peas are a metre high and not one flower. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. That's, that's why you plant them. I know. They do have beautiful flowers, don't they, sweet peas? Nice to pick, um, very easy to look after. Tell me, what have you been fertilising them with? I did them with Flourish. Oh, good, good. That That's good. You haven't been using uh, grass clippings or anything in around there? No, or poultry, no, no. No poultry manure? No, no, no. Okay. Cow, if anything, but um, as in a liquid cow, but they only got a, a dose of that two weeks ago. Otherwise, they've had flourish and nothing else. Yeah. They look great and green. Yeah, well, that that's the problem. That's why I'm thinking there must be something, uh, you know, to do with the nitrogen, too much nitrogen in the soil. So you're getting really nice looking plants, but no flowering. Um, and that's why you have to then use uh, sulfate of potash to try and promote that flowering. Whether that's going to work for you now is debatable. Um, if your plants are already that high and that big and they haven't flowered yet, it it could just be that we all of a sudden get some weird and wonderful weather event and it just triggers them and off they go. Uh, so look, what, what might be good for you for next year is, you know, about three months before you're going to start using that spot is to start using some sulphate of potash in that area. You can get that as a, as a liquid fertiliser as well and, like yeah, just start watering that in. But certainly keep on using the Flourish. Um, some there are a few varieties of flourish. One is green and growth. That's mostly for indoor plants. So hopefully you're not using that one. Just no. the, the normal purple coloured one. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's very very good, obviously. But I would just boost that up a little bit uh, with some sulphate of potash, just in case there's been a little bit too much nitrogen in that particular spot before. So a metre away, I've got sugar snap peas that are full budded. Mm, that sounds a bit, a bit odd, doesn't it? So you've grown sweet peas in this area before? No. No. I saved it, especially for them, because <laughs> I usually do two big rows of sugar snap peas, and that's it. And I thought, no, I want some flowers I can yeah. cut, and look what happened. Oh, yeah. Uh, but look, they, they should be flowering by now. There's no reason that you know they shouldn't be flowering like the, the peas are next door. Uh, don't pull them out. Just just hang on, see what happens in case we get something you know weird and wonderful that triggers them to flower. And then next year, get some of that uh, sulphate of potash okay. and start using okay. it about three to four months before you're going to plant. And a stern talking to. Yeah, that's always a way to do it. You know, they, they're not always sweet. Sometimes they can be a little bit nasty like yours are being. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, thanks a lot for that. Thanks, Julie. Have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye. I'm starting to imagine Julie now just with a waving a finger at a sweet peas. Yes, I hope she's not taking the the stick out there to them, giving them a whack. That's not no. a good thing to do. Maybe the broom or something out, a bit softer. Well, yeah, something very soft because they're a fairly tender plant. So, uh, you know, physically punishing your sweet peas is not going to be good. Not a bright idea, just a stern no. talking to. It's not like it's an iron bark eucalypt. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Alan now from Stockton. 
and he's got pests on his passion fruits. Doesn't sound good, Alan. Describe them to us. Um, well, the leaves look like they look like Swiss cheese, actually, and um, the end of the leaves are starting to go yellow. And when you actually touch the leaves, they the ones that are yellow they just break up very easily. Um, the new leaves, um, they're not smooth; they're sort of um, crispy, but I haven't been able to see anything on them. But, uh, you know, it's just, it's not looking good. Yeah, wouldn't you say they're smooth? Would you say they're sort of uh, puckered, I guess, almost like, you know, uh, wrinkled pores of the skin? Yeah, it looks like my face, yeah, and I'm, <laughs> I'll say, yeah. Not too, yeah. not nice and smooth. <laughs> like no, a, no, no. Like the baby, right. the proverbial baby's bum, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they don't look anything like that, to be honest. <laughs> no, look, it, it sounds like you might have some sort of mite activity on your passion fruit. Uh, they, they can get it. Uh, how are you going to treat that, though, on an edible plant is always the difficult thing. Uh, look, there are miticides out there uh, that you can get. Uh, so jump into your local garden centre. Take a couple of the leaves along with you in a plastic bag so they can have a squeeze. Uh, and you can get miticides. Uh, there's one out there called Eco Oil, which is safe to use uh, yep. on uh, flowering and fruiting plants. So I would uh, definitely go and get some of that. Uh, take it along just to, to show your uh, friendly garden uh, expert and yep. uh, let them see what they think. But I think you're going to have to uh, spray yep. that eco oil uh, on the plant to try and get it under control. It's not a bad preventative spray to use anyway. Um, people often use it on citrus leaf miner. Uh, you know, when you get those uh, little tracks through the leaves of the citrus uh, plants when they've got new growth on them. Yep. But certainly uh, it won't hurt your passion fruit vine. Uh, there's no uh, harm in using it and then being able to eat the passion fruits. Um, Alan, have you got any passion fruits on there at the moment, or is it uh, fairly bare? No, look, it's bare. It's only in, I only put it in this year. Mm-hmm. There's two plants next to one another. Um, some of the very few plants uh, are whole without holes through them. Most of them have got, you know, they just look like Swiss cheese. And I have looked so hard mm-hmm. to see if I can see any pests pest on them, but I can't see a thing, to be honest. Yeah, so the, the ones that have got holes in them, they sound like they've been, been eaten by something, caterpillar, you know, some sort of pest, uh, probably not grasshoppers at the moment. They, they don't seem to be out too much. The, the, uh, so the puckered leaves one leaves uh, are, the, are the issue, though, that I think you should take long and uh, just get some of that eco oil uh, because I think you might have some mite activity on there. And mites are just little insects that you don't necessarily see, uh, but that they're sucking the sap out of the, the leaf. That's the best way to describe it. And yep. uh, where they have those little stings, it just uh, dies around that area and it, it just uh, sort of goes a bit horrid and, and puckered. So you get those damaged-looking leaves. Okay, eco-oil. Yeah, go and get some of that. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you for the call, Alan. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Sure. Bye. Bye. And we've got Brian from Taralba, and he wants to know when to spray bindies and also spray a peach, G- peach tree for leaf curl. <laughs> Brian, how can we help you, mate? Um, last year I was away on holidays, and when I came back, I found that my uh, peach tree had uh, developed leaf curl. So uh, it was a little bit disappointing. So I thought I'd get in early before the leaves start to grow and uh, see what was uh, the best uh, time to spray and what the best thing was also to spray it with. And also I uh, was getting in early to get the uh, the bindies before they start in uh, springtime. So... Uh, uh, I thought I'd get in early before. You know, nothing worse than uh, ring up and 
too late to be do anything to be done. So I'll take your advice there, Scott. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, it's it's good you're getting prepared and getting in there early because uh, you've you've, caught, you've you'll catch it just at the right time. Uh, I guess if you'd left it. A few more weeks before calling in and asking the question, it would have been too late. Uh, look, we'll deal with the peach tree uh, first. Uh, so the leaf curl is actually a fungal disease they get, uh, and you need to treat that uh, when you're seeing the buds coming on the tree. Not necessarily, you don't want any leaves, just the start of the buds coming on there. Uh, I guess that's uh, what would that be? Early spring, I guess. Early September would be the time for that. Uh, yep. Sometimes it can be a little bit earlier, so be vigilant about that. Uh, you need a copper-based spray like copper oxychloride. Uh, you can get that at uh, your local garden centre. Uh, it, it's a, a product, it's a powder. It's a good one to have around the garden because you can just spray that. Uh, it's not harmful to uh, to uh, yourself uh, when you're eating it, uh, when you're eating the peaches or anything, so no issues there. Uh, so that's copper oxychloride. You can also do it when the plant is starting to drop its leaves as well, just to try and keep that under control. So you do it twice a year. Um, okay. I guess in autumn time, uh, when it's starting to lose its leaves, pardon me, and then in springtime, just when the uh, the buds uh, are coming on there and just about before they open. Um, while I've got you there on the, uh, the, the fruit tree, um, when's the best time to give it a prune? Is it too late to prune it now, or...? Yeah, look, it's going to be too late to prune it now. Uh, for a peach tree, I would be pruning it, uh, obviously, once it's finished fruiting, um... Uh, so, oh, look, when would that be? May, I guess I'd give it a, a prune at that point in time. Okay, no yeah. worries. And, mate, with your bindies, yes, uh, it's, it's probably a good idea to give a winter spray for bindies. Uh, I know um, a lot of people don't think that because they're not necessarily out on their lawn, but what happens is your grass stops growing and the bindies keep on growing. So all of a sudden you get these bindi patches that start to take over, and if they do then die out later on, uh, in spring and summer with the heat and you spraying them, then you've got these bare patches in the lawn that uh, take time to cover over and you get in this vicious circle where the bindies then can keep on reseeding into that space. So uh, a bit of a spray at this time of year is not a bad thing. Just make sure there's not going to be any rain for uh, some yep. time. Uh, yep. You need about oh, you know five days of good sunlight uh, for the, uh, the, the chemicals to actually burn away the bindies. Uh, so look, yeah, doing that now is a good time and probably then backing that up again uh, you know, in September, October. Okay, yeah, I've got a uh, a neighbour who has a very good crop of bindies every year, and unfortunately, the postman comes uh, along his front lawn, and uh, they seem to come uh, off his wheels, I think, off his tyres, onto my lawn. So. Uh it is a never-ending problem. Yeah, look, it can be that simple. Uh, you know, just they people walking along, they get in the bottom of their shoes and they break off into yours. Uh, you know, the wind blowing things around, uh, all those things can can be an issue. Uh, again, when I uh, you know talk to people about their lawns, I say to them, don't mow it down too low and scalp it, uh, because then you create bare patches that the bindies can get into more easily. I always say keep your lawn a little bit longer, keep it neat. Um, you know, mow it regularly, but just keep it a little bit longer. Uh, then you don't get those bare patches. It's providing a bit of a buffer, I guess, um, between the sun and the root system, so your lawn's not drying out as much. So uh, I always um, mow uh, at the highest setting. Um, do it regularly. It still keeps it neat looking. Uh, I know Greg's looking at me now because he loves to get the dust blowing around when he's out there on the mower. If you're going to do it, you do it properly. Exactly right. Lowest setting possible. Blow. <laughs> it's well, I'm, 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 I'm like you, Scott. I have it nice and uh, uh, thick bed of, uh, of grass. So, uh, um, yeah, I'll try and keep the... My, my weeds are normally kept to a minimum, 
I do have a little bit of winter grass, but uh, other than that, uh, it's, it's looking reasonably good. Yeah, I like that. That's two against one. I think we've won that argument there. <laughs> okay. Us well, uh, one, Greg Neal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for your help there, Scott. Okay, thanks, Brian. Have a nice afternoon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, Brian. It's the best way to cut it, though. Straight down. Till it's dirt. Yeah, till it's dirt. It's, it's, you might as well use a spade, though, and just go and till it over or a plough. Sure, I might as well just concrete the whole yard. Yeah, why not? It's <laughs> saves a lot of hassle. Hose it off. Uh, we've got Kath now from Gorican, and a bit of a mystery, this one. She thinks something is in the heads off a of parsley. Mm, it doesn't sound good. Kath, how can we help you? Yes, um, I've got some, I had some nice parsley growing, but all of a sudden the um, top seemed to be eaten off it. Mm, this, this is nature's way of pruning, isn't it? That's what's really happening. Is it? Right. Uh, have you? Are you in a? Well, you don't even have to be in a bushland area. Uh, we've got some pretty big uh, possums over there in Carrington. I'm thinking right. it could it could be a possum. Um, they love you know when things are a little bit uh, um, you know yeah. bleak for them in winter. They like to come down and have something tasty to eat. Well, we have a, have had a possum hanging around. Yeah, I, I would. I would. Quite a while. Yeah, I would put it down to the possum. Not much you can do there except for trying no. to create some sort of cage around there, or leaving some okay. sort of other tasty morsel out um, yep. and away from the parsley, like an apple for them. They love that. Right, because it's in a pot. The parsley's in quite a big pot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yep. look, I, I know I sometimes uh, I have a cat, and the cat food stays outside sometimes uh, overnight. Right. Uh, the dry cat food, if they haven't eaten it during the day, and in the middle of the night, I hear this banging and crashing, and there's <laughs> the possum that's <laughs> come down up from my roof, and it's having a chomp on that cat food. So yeah, uh, right. yeah. Look, they'll eat they'll eat all sorts of things. So maybe uh, try and you know leave something, yeah, yep. and leave something else tasty for it. All right. Okay, then fine. Thanks, Scott, very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's good to know they've got gourmet possums yeah, at Gorican. Liking a bit of, um, I don't know, a bit of extra spice in there. Spice in its life, yeah. Or a little appetizer or something, I guess. Yeah, it's a garnishment. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, garnish. garnish. <laughs> a garnishment. Yeah, fancy possums, they want a bit of a, a garnish. Yeah, so it's, they want some of those mini herbs just sprinkled over the top as well at some point in time. Maybe just get some more herbs out as well, get a bit of coriander out there for them. Oh, and the, uh, I don't know about possum then, it might get a bit hot and a bit angry. Oh, not a fan of the coriander? Oh, I do like it, but I, a possum might not. Okay. Yeah. Cranky possum. Don't want a cranky possum. No, they start to hiss and get angry. <laughs> It is Gardening Talk back on to a new RFM and we've got Kate from Lambton and she wants to feed bulbs. Hello, Kate. The bulbs getting hungry, are they? Uh, well, I'm not, I am not. put bulbs in years ago and forgot where I put them until they about to come up, you yep. see. <laughs> anyway, I put in another one just recently into a pot and I thought, how do I make it come up the best it can? Yeah, so that that's an interesting question. Bulbs, uh, they're really easy to grow. As, as most, like you said, you can just find them coming up from where you left them and forgot about them years ago, and they'll just keep on going. I've got ones in my backyard that uh, they flower every now and again, and I don't even—they live near, right near the trees. I just don't know how they survive, but <laughs> off they go and they keep on going for you. Yeah, because should I feed the? feed them at all or especially the one I've just put in a pot. Yeah, absolutely. So you can get, get uh, bulb fertilizers. Uh, you just they're in a packet, uh, you just apply them uh, normally. The way the other way to think about it though is that uh, prior to the bulb actually popping up out of the ground with its green leafy growth, uh, you want to help that along so you actually put some nitrogen in the soil for it. So, uh, you know, you've, you've planted the bulb, uh, you know, a month to two weeks before it, you think it's going to pop up. Uh, you start feeding that soil with nitrogen. Uh, there's all sorts of different fertilisers out there. Use a liquid fertiliser. 
And then once the bulb is actually up and running, that's when you'd switch over and start using something higher in potassium to promote the flowering. Or otherwise, you can just go and get uh, one of the uh, standard bulb uh, foods and uh, use that. Um, okay. In a pot, make sure you use a liquid fertilizer. Uh, in the ground, you can get uh, you know powdered ones that you can sprinkle around or pelleted ones you can sprinkle around. But uh, because the plant is in a pot, uh, make sure you only use a liquid fertilizer. It gives it a drink at the same time. What should I be doing to hydrangeas at the moment? Anything? Yeah, it's pruning time with hydrangeas. Right. Uh, So they should have all lost their leaves by now. Uh, When you prune your hydrangea, the important thing is to go back to the double bud and just above that. Uh, because that will, you'll definitely get a flower if you go back to the double bud. If you go back to the single bud, uh, you might not necessarily get a flower off that uh, off that pruning point. And what about azaleas? So azaleas should have finished flowering. Uh, you can give them a prune now if you want to. No harm in that. Uh, I would only go very light on azaleas. I never go hard. Just a, a gentle shave over the top, almost. Okay, and gardenias. Um... I should have done it before, I think, and I'm just wondering if I've left it too late. No, no, look, still, you can prune gardenias all year round. The only trouble with doing it in the middle of winter is it just won't come back very quickly, so you'll have a bare plant. Um, you know, if you prune it now, you probably have a, you know, sort of sorry-looking plant uh, until mid-August uh, because they just need a little bit of heat to get them going. But certainly you can uh, prune them now if you want to. How far back? Oh, you can prune your gardenia back very, very hard. Okay. Yeah, you certainly can. People also use them in hedging as well, and they can look quite good. It uh, doesn't have to be a you know a sort of a straight up and down, short back and sides type of hedge. Uh, it looks a bit more straggly, but then you get that nice flower on it as well. But certainly very hard with a gardenia if you want to. Okay, thank you for all that. I've caught up with a couple of pre- a few questions I've been meaning to ask for weeks. That's all right. It's good to make a list. That's what I do all the time. Otherwise, I would forget the milk, the car keys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the cat food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks again. Okay, thanks for that, Kate. Have a nice afternoon. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 and you are at FM, 49216216. And we've got Pat from Rathmines. And his cauliflowers don't seem to be looking right. Hello, no. pa- uh, hello Pat. Describe right for us. Um, well, you know you buy them from the shop and they're lovely and thick and got a great white head. Yes. These are straggly. Ooh, that, that... All of them. And it happened last year too. The broccoli's brilliant. The Brussels sprouts are coming on. But we can't seem to perfect the collies. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I always thought that uh, Brussels sprouts were more of the difficult one to, to grow. So, uh... Well, last year we didn't get any, but this year they're on. So I don't know. Yeah, what have you been fertilising with? Oh, my husband hits them every couple of weeks. <laughs> I thought you were just They're going to say everything. your husband then and, and say it in full stop. That was all going to get a bit strange. <laughs> he, he does hits it with everything, like um, drive and mixes it all up. and um, I don't know, just a bit of it, all, all your healthy stuff that you put on your garden. <laughs> makes a big bucket of it and just does them all. Uh, look, the the only other thing I could suggest um, with cauliflower and, and, and a lot of winter vegetables as well yep. is to, uh, prior to planting, uh, about a week before planting, uh, sprinkle some you know dolomite lime or some lime through the soil just right. to, to sweeten it up a little bit. Um, I... that, that might be a go for you. Probably not something you can do now until next year. 
Yep. Um, so, yeah, like that fortnight before you think you're going to plant, uh, put some lime through the soil, um, sprinkle it in, water it in as usual, and then uh, hopefully your cauliflowers will grow a little bit better for you. And just keep on using the, uh, uh, you know, a general all-purpose fertiliser. Right, okay. And another quick question. Yes. I rang you once before. I had this passion, I've got this passion refine that went absolutely crazy. And uh, I fertilised it, told me not to. But about eight weeks ago, all these huge passion fruits come on it, mm-hmm. but they, they won't ripen. No, they certainly won't ripen. Um, so I would pluck those little buggers off there at the moment. Oh, what a shame. Yeah, otherwise, <laughs> it's just too cold. They won't ripen at the moment. They'll sit on there. Uh, and yep. you'll find that they'll just, you know, yellow off and, you know, in about four yep. or five weeks, they'll just drop off the plant anyway. So you right. might as well go and pick them off uh, just to stop the plant putting all its energy into the uh, into the, uh, into the fruit when it's yeah, just not going to ripen. Yeah. Okay. And can I, do I fertilize it once I take it all off? Yes, you certainly can do that. I, however, would wait until mid-August uh, fertilizing your passion fruit. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, just because uh, you don't want it to start, you know, uh, you know, forming that fruit until it warms up a little bit. Uh, okay. So mid-August, I would use a fertilizer that's high in potassium uh, to try and promote that fruiting and flowering on the plant. Terrific. Okay, then. Well, thank you. Okay, thank you very much for the call, Pat. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. Cheers, Pat. We've got Bill from Salamander Bay, and he's got a question about the protea. Hmm. Bill, how can we help you, mate? Don't put it in the fridge, okay? That's not that's not where it goes. I believe it comes from South Africa, and it's got to be drained or something. Yes, they they do come from South Africa, um, hence hence that name there. And what is it? The football? It's not the cricket team, is it? Yeah, it's the rugby union team. The rugby yeah union team. That's right. Oh, I almost said league. I bet they don't play that over there in South Africa. No, they do not. No, okay. <laughs> uh, look, you live in the in the in the perfect spot to grow a uh, protea bill up there at Salamander. Uh, yeah. You'd have pretty sandy soil, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, the first two inches is all right. After that, it goes down to about ten feet. Oh. Sand. Ah, well, now that's great because that's exactly what a protea likes. Uh, they like that well-drained soil. So full sun with it, mate. Uh, yeah. In those conditions, uh, fertilize just water it as normal. Uh, fertilizing with the protea, uh, I would use probably only blood and bone or a Australian native uh, fertilizer. Nothing else uh, apart from that, and I think you'll have uh, great success with it up there at Salamander. Can I put it in a pot? You certainly can. Uh, now to do that, you would have to go and get a native potting mix. Uh, a nice, well-drained native potting mix, uh, and that's that's all you really need for that. Uh, but uh, again, up at your place, uh, fantastic with the sand; it'll it'll grow a treat. Okay, great stuff. Thanks very much. Okay, good on you, Bill. Thanks for the call. Okay, cheers, mate. Bye. 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 And we've got Colleen from Singleton, and she's got a question about her camellias. Hello, yeah. Colleen. How can we help you? Uh, well, look, I had had a row of the Sanquia camellias, and and gradually they've just been dying back, and. Um, uh, when when I've got the gardener cut them back drastically, they have shot out from the bottom, but I, I just don't know quite what's wrong with them. I've lost three of them, and um, and it just seems to be going up the row, and, and I, I, it's hard to explain what's happening. It looks like if, if it was another tree outside, I'd say it had a lightning strike. You know, you've got all this dead stuff, and the bark is curling back in, and then the branch just dies, and... Um, 
I'm just wondering what's wrong with them. Yeah, you, you might have uh, what's called uh, camellia canker. I thought that might have been what it was. And the, and the reason I'm thinking that is just the, the way you're describing it uh, sort of spreading through and, and dying back. Yes. Uh, look, uh, I, I guess the thing you can do to, to keep canker under control uh, is to use a fungicide like Mancozeb Plus right. uh, and, and try and prune it out as best as possible. You said that you've already had uh, your fellow prune it back for you. Yes. No, sorry, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> and, and she's pruned it back very severely. Well, one of them we cut right to the uh, to the ground, you yes. know. But anyway, I've got shoots about three feet high now, and but is that going to happen to them? So well, it, it quite possibly could. But if you've essentially pruned it out and discarded it away from the plants, yes, uh, then that will get rid of it for you. Um, I, I would get some uh, fungicide though, and uh, you know, just try and treat treat the plants. As generally, when you see it, uh, you can actually spray the soil area as well. Um, now, if I well, now if I buy new plants and plant where I, I've lost three mm-hmm. completely, uh, do I need to do anything to treat the ground then, or put the fungicide in the ground before I plant them? Well, I, I would just generally spray the ground a couple of weeks before you're going to plant, and also the surrounding plants as well. Uh, obviously, right. the new plants you get will be nice and healthy, so you shouldn't have a problem there. Uh, but I, I think that's what you've probably got there. Uh, they just sort of start to wilt and die, um, you know, the leaves. Yeah, so all yeah. of a sudden you've got a very dead branch, you know. Yes, that, that's exactly what it sounds like. Right. Yeah. All right, then. Well, I'll, I'll try that and see how I go. Okay. It, it, it is just a fungus, uh, so it, it is treatable, and, uh, yeah, good luck with it. Okay. Thank you very okay. much. Thank you, Colin. Bye-bye. Bye. I think we've got time for a couple of more calls, and we've got Peter from Coal Point. And he wants to prune his frangipanis. Peter, how can we help you? Uh, I've got a frangipani that's about two metres tall. Uh, the trunk is about probably 60 mil in um, thickness. But there's only two branches on it, and they're about 500, uh, 400 mil right from the top. Yeah. If I cut it off at about a metre tall, will it sprout new branches down the bottom? Yeah, look, it, it certainly will. I mean, it's the rule of thumb with any plant. Uh, you know, when you prune, you're going to get you know, a whole lot of multiple growth points coming out from there. Uh, it's the time to do frangipanis at the moment. They're, uh, you know, almost losing all their leaves. I know the next-door neighbours at my place are still shedding leaves, but they've yep. got a very strange frangipani. Uh, but time to prune them now. Uh, they do lose a little bit of shape for a couple of years just because they are so slow growing and to get that shape back. But it sounds like the plant you're describing, yours, that uh, uh, you need to actually promote some of that shape and just leaving the two branches uh, isn't necessarily going to do that. So look, yeah, sure, prune that. Uh, You'll get a couple of growth points coming off there and over time you should get a better shape to it. Yep, good. Now, one other question. Um, Winter grass. Yes, I've um, put a product on my winter grass. It's a, it was in a powder form mm-hmm. that you mix with water. Uh, after you spray it on, you water it in. Um, I've done that twice, two applications, but I haven't seen any um, any signs of it dying. Yeah, winter grass is one of those those funny things, uh, and unfortunately, because of um, COVID, we didn't get to really speak about it uh, this year too much. Uh, you actually have to treat it as a pre-emergent. So most of the chemicals that are there on the market uh, actually act on the seed that's sitting in the ground from last year. 
so the plant that's there now and growing those little seed heads, uh, often the chemicals that you get won't have much of an effect on them. Uh, so you really do need to use winter grass uh, around April, May, uh, and use that as a pre-emergent then to try and keep it under control. Right. Um, can I use um, a weed killer uh, and spray it in the centre of each uh, tuft. Uh, are you talking uh, like a zero or glyphosate yeah. type one? Yep. Um, you, you can. Uh, I, I would say that would probably then, depending how good your aim is, uh, you have to be careful you don't leave little bare patches all through the lawn. Uh, an idea might be to go grab a paintbrush or something and just go and you know give a quick wipe or a smear over the little tufts if you can. Uh, but mate, if your aim's good and you're not using too much uh, and on a very very still day, you could do that. But uh, you know, I'm always wary of taking a spray with you know glyphosate out in the lawn and uh, you know just spraying like that. I think you might get little bare patches. If I if I don't do that, will the buffalo? I've got a buffalo lawn. Mm-hmm. Will it kill off the winter grass in the summer? Yeah, well, the winter grass will die off, and then the buffalo will cover back over again. It's when you start getting big patches of winter grass that uh, and that you get those bare patches that then that bindies get in and other weeds. Yep. Uh, so look, you can do it that way. Try and fertilise your lawn at that time to promote the buffalo to come back, and then next year around April May, get in there with those pre-emergent uh, winter grass yeah. killers and, and keep it under control. Then. All right. Beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Okay. Good on you, Peter. Okay. Thank you for the call. Bye. Bye. I think we might have time for one more caller. Okay, we'll and jump in. We've got John from Rathmines, and he wants to poison his ryegrass. Yeah. John, what the ryegrass is taking over, is it? It certainly is. Scott, how are you going? Yeah, good, good. People often uh, plant ryegrass. Uh, you know, you get it in those seed, you know, grass seed packets because it comes on very quickly um, for people and provides a bit of cover. But, uh, yeah, it's taking over for you, is it? Yeah, I had a lot of weeds through the lawn, so I spent weeks digging it out, pulling it out, had runners, pulled it all out, got rid of it, um, and then top-dressed it and all the rest of it, nice organic soil, and now all this ryegrass grass is just everywhere. It's out the back, it's out the front, it's just sort of going where it wants to go. Yeah, okay, so look, you are going to have to get some sort of selective uh, herbicide for that. Uh, it... it... I'm just wondering, uh, some of the domestic ones don't necessarily treat it. What you'd probably best to do is go along to your local garden centre and just um, have a look at the chemicals there on the shelves. Uh, Bindi might do it, uh, might even slow it up a little bit. Uh, but I'd go and have a look on the, the, the chemicals on the shelves, just turn them over and see what uh, those chemicals will kill. It will list ryegrass on there if it's going to do it. I know there's a lot of uh, like uh, commercial chemicals out there that farmers might use, but uh, as far as the uh, domestic uh, market goes, I think I'd just go and have a, a check on that and see if you can find something to do it. Yeah, because my front lawn's buffalo, so you've got to be careful with buffalo, haven't you? You certainly do, uh, and buffalo you can really only do... Uh, uh, once or twice a year, so you do have to be very careful with that. Uh, okay. All right, I'll go and have a look. Thank you very much. Okay, not a problem, John. Have a Enjoy nice afternoon. Okay, you thank too, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, and that's all for us this week. That's Scott cool. Sharp. Thank you. See you next week. We'll do that. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.